Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Today, I'm going to be talking about how you should invest your money. I know this isn't going to be like, hey, like you should go into crypto or hey, that real estate's the shit to be in. Like, oh, you should start option trading. Like, that, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to be talking about is something that you can look at from a high level, how you should be even thinking about your investments that will separate you from everybody else in the, in the country. And you can then apply what I'm going to teach you today to anything that you decide to go into, let it be crypto or real estate or stocks or option trading, whatever it is, or if you just try to keep it simple, whatever it is, that's what we're going to be talking about today how you should invest your money and how you should think about it. What are the key things? And let's get going in it. Uh, first, before we do, if you're watching on YouTube, welcome, welcome, welcome. Be sure to subscribe, put some comments in the comment boxes, share it, like it. It helps us grow our audience. It's appreciated. If you're on the podcast, thanks for listening. Let's dive right into it. As you guys know, oftentimes videos and blogs and workshops, I tend to uh, trash a lot of the financial services industry um, just because of the crap that's out there, like what they tell you on websites, all this garbage, right? Today's going to be no different, all right? We're going to be talking about some of the major flaws that they that is out there, okay? And what I mean by that is you got to look at the status quo, okay? What, what's the status quo telling you? Hey, things like you're young, you can take on risk, invest in this. And you're like, well, what do I need to know about it? You don't need to know because research and academia says blah 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 so you need to do it well let's look that, that's like the status quo advice by the way status quo is these target date funds they put you in in the 401k well let's look at the status quo okay by the way other things like status quo like you should budget this way and people don't even know how to budget the correct way but you should do it anyways just to do it right so anyways let's look at the status quo what it actually gets you um over 50% of the uh, people in this country are estimated to be behind on retirement. 50%. That's a low number, in my opinion, because if you actually read other surveys and other research reports, some estimate that it actually is up to like 65 or 70%, which knowing how much retirement actually costs, I would solidly say that about 60 to 65% of the people in this country are behind. So that's the status quo. Uh, what else? There's another stat I just saw the other day. In the 90s, the average retirement age was 60 Today, the average retirement age is 66. Now, those estimates I told you about people being behind, to me, 50%, 60%, that's actually artificially low because of that last stat that I just told you. What, what do I mean by that? People are realizing that they don't have enough money to retire, so they're working longer. So when you need a certain lump sum of money to retire, the earlier that you need to retire, the more money you need. So if you realize that you don't have enough, you're not going to retire early. You're going to retire later and later and later. So yes, 50, 60% of people are behind. But then a whole other group of people 
aren't even close to retirement, so they're extending it even further. And then they're saying, oh, well, those people that are 66, now they have enough money to retire. Well, that's nice because instead of living another 16 to 20 years in retirement, they only have to last like 8 to 10 years in retirement because they're going to die. So it's an artificial thing that they're looking at. But the whole point of this is people's retirement situation sucks in this country. That's the status quo. So if you sit there and you do what the status quo is telling you to do, chances are you're going to end up in the same shitty situation that these people are in. Okay? So what do most do and how do you avoid it? First of all, you sit down with like a financial planner, an investment advisor, uh, some of these BS robo-advisors that they have online at, I won't name these major 401k companies, but you know who they are. What they're going to do is they look at basically two things. They look at how much you can contribute into your retirement and how much do you need by retirement. That's all they, they can do. That's all they can look at. Okay, so for example, they'll say something like, you're going to invest $500 a month. Based on our calculations, if you want to retire in 30 years, you're going to need $1.8 million. Therefore, you need a 12% return. So that's their pitch to you. Somehow, like if you're sitting down with an investment advisor and he's looking at that number, he can control nothing else about your life except for your investments. And based on his magic number, you need to earn 12%. So even though the, the finance industry says, hey, you need to look at the ability of the person to take risk and blah, 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 blah. The, the, the reality is, especially in person, like with investment advisors and financial planners, they're going to turn around and sell you on why you need to take more risk in order to get that 12%. And they're going to justify it with things like, you're young, you can do this. You have time. So even if the market goes down, you're going to be okay. And they sell you on that because the only way, they got to give you hope. And they're the expert, right? So you're going to trust them. But then you look at the average returns that the status quo gets, the status quo investor, the average return is like 3 or 4%. Why? Because people panic. They don't know what they're doing. They're over, they have too much risk because they were sold something. So they panic and they buy at a high and they sell at a low because they panic. And then they're out of the market and things start going up. They start hearing all this stuff on the news. People making money. They're like, well, maybe I should go into it. And they buy it at a high. Shit crashes and they lose more money. So it's just this never-ending cycle. That's the status quo. Okay? Now the status quo has then turned around and justified for lawmakers why you need to put money in a 401k and a target date fund based on this status quo because you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what to do. We know what risk you need to take to get to this. Therefore, we're going to do this for you. That's what a target date fund basically is. Okay? Investment advisors say the same thing. Okay, this completely ignores other items. Like I said earlier, investment advisors, these robo-advisors, they can't control anything about for how much you put in and how much risk you take in your actual investments. At the end of the day, they focus on return. They're focusing on some magical return number and they're looking at it only from an investment point of view. That's the status quo. Now, what should you be doing? If you guys have heard this podcast, if you guys have watched our videos, you have heard me say this a thousand times, manage your risk and your return will be there. That doesn't, I, I don't say that just on investments. I, it could be financial planning. It could be student loan repayment. It could be mortgage and not buying too much house. It doesn't matter. If you manage your risk 
appropriately, your long-term returns will be there. When it comes to investments, what does that actually mean? I told you that they focus on return because that's an investment point of view. That's their investment point of view. You need to focus on a financial planning point of view. Okay? So if they're focusing on return, you focus on risk. Now, I'll give credit real credit was due. I, I Those of you that have listened to our stuff, you know this. I've been investing since I was like 12 years old. One of the first things I was taught was manage your risk and your return will be there. And I was taught if you're able to price risk and understand risk better than other, other people, you will do significantly well in finance. And I've done that. And every single person that, that I've seen take that to heart has done extremely well. Okay, way more than like the 20%, 30% that are successful following the status quo that everybody else is doing. It's right. So anyways, let's define what risk is. First of all, it's your willingness to take risk and your ability to take risk. Okay. If you're looking at the two, willingness always triumphs. So even if you have high ability, but you just don't have the willingness, don't take the risk. Okay. Or if, if you have low ability, but you're willing to take risk, eh, Maybe you got to really understand what those risks are because you're putting yourself in a really bad financial situation. Everything has to go perfect, which I do not advise doing. Okay. So with that, willingness always triumphs. It's, it's, that's more of a personal thing. So we're going to focus on the ability to take risk, specifically within the stock market. But this is really any type of investment all the time. You're always looking at saying, hey, what's the risk for the return? Okay. What is risk when we talk about investments, specifically in the market, in the stock market? Because it's the easiest to measure in the stock market. It's easier to measure this risk than like in real estate and whatnot. But risk is, when we look at investments, is uh, standard deviation, okay? Those of you that aren't, you know, stats experts, basically what we do is we look at an average return of an investment. So let's just say it's the average return is 6% per year. And then we say, hey, in a given year, you have a 95% probability that it can go up to 20%, it can go down 20%. And so that range is risk. The lower the standard deviation of those returns, the lower the risk the investment is. The, the greater this, the range of standard deviation, the more risk. You have multiple assets. You guys have heard this magical term called diversification. What they do is they, they take those average returns, they take those standard deviations, and they look at the different assets and they say, how are these things correlated? Meaning when one moves up, how much does the other one move up or down? And so the combination of assets, when you look at your overall portfolio, is basically saying, how can we reduce our standard deviation of our overall returns, but actually maximize that return? So minimize our risk, maximize our returns. That's what risk is, okay? In, in the stock market or, I mean, you can do it with any investment, but that is risk. So if you know that, half of, of managing risk and your returns will be there is just understanding what risk is. So that way, if you understand this, I understand it's the ups and downs. For example, and I'm saying, look, this is the given amount that I feel comfortable at going up or down. Guess what's going to happen? When the stock market goes down, you're not going to panic. You're not going to panic like the status quo does. You're going to probably keep investing because you understand it. And then when everything goes up, you're going to make a lot of money. That, that's how that works. You understand it. You're managing your risk appropriately. Okay. So that's just stock market risk. Now, I mentioned like your, your status quo, your investment advisors and all that type of stuff, uh, robo-advisors and all that. They they only have those things, that those inputs. How much you're putting into the fund, how much you're, you're going to you know need to get at retirement. 
and all they can control is what you're invested in. You control what you're invested in, okay? But you also control other things, okay, in your life, like your expenses, because that's going to change how much you can put into investments, okay? But there's other factors besides the stock market that plays a role in how much risk you can take, okay? So things like your income, okay? We talk a lot about human capital at FitBooks, right? Because that's one of the main pieces of our technologies. We look at human capital. What is that? It's a future projection of your income. But more importantly, what is the risk to your income? Because people that earn like commission or 1099, maybe your PRN, maybe your traveler or whatever it is, you don't have stable income. Versus somebody that has a nine to five salary job in a low unemployment industry, the income characteristics are completely different. The risk to your income is different. Therefore, your investments are going to be different. Like if I'm a real estate agent or an investment banker and most of my, my income is based on commission versus somebody that's like a dentist or a physical therapist or a nurse or a PA or an MP, we might make the same amount of money. But those with more stable jobs can invest more aggressively. They can afford more of a house because they know that income is going to be there. If I am on commission and the economy tanks, I might lose my job. Like, I, I can't take that risk. So that factors in. Your other assets, this one unnerves me. It unnerves me so much, okay? I can't tell you how many times I've listened to financial planners, training them, all this type of stuff, looking at them and listening to them. And they say, what are your assets excluding the equity in your house? Huh? And they do that because they primarily can't invest and make money off of your house. They can't invest that asset. It's already invested. And their, their reasoning that they say then is, well, um, you, you can't generate income off that retirement. Bullshit. Yes, you can. Right? Like, you can either rent it and move somewhere else. Like, I know a lot of people in the Bay Area that have rented it and are collecting like three to four or five grand in rental income and then they move somewhere else and then pay a thousand dollars a month in in in, in, uh, in rent and they just keep their house. So that's one way. You could just sell it and move to a low cost area. That's another way. You could do a reverse mortgage. That's another way. So excluding that completely from your investments is absolutely horseshit. Okay. So that's the first two, income and your other assets. Then you also look, by the way, at these like other robo-advisors and all these things. They completely like ignore some of these other assets and your investments. It doesn't make any sense. Anyways, going on to the next risk factor, debt. Most of us that are watching this, we, we cater specifically towards young professionals. Most of us have to do a loan debt, car debt, probably some credit card debt, maybe a mortgage already. Debt is risk. Why? Because we have required payments. So we have to pay that every single month. That's less budget flexibility, which means risk. Children is the last one. Family situation. Maybe you have a dependent. Maybe it's a parent that you got to pay for, right? Maybe it's children you got to pay for. These things, again, take money from our budget. It competes for our income with our investments. Like we get an income, then we have a bunch of things that compete for that income, right? Like mandatory expenses, debt payments, investments. It's all competing for that income. Who's going to win, right? Children are probably going to win first. These are all risk factors. That's just four of them. There's literally hundreds of them, okay? And they play a role in all this with how much you can invest. So when you're looking at your ability to take risk, it's, it's one, understanding what risk is like in the stock market. But it's also understanding my personal situation when it comes to things like my income and my assets and my debt. And this is why I was saying earlier, this isn't some like 
where should I invest? Like, oh, the magic thing is crypto. The magic thing is real estate. The ma- You're stupid if you don't do option trading. You're stupid if you don't do this. You're st- I, I hear that all the time from these social media gurus that are suddenly financial gurus, right? You're stupid if you don't do this. This is what I did, and I made $500. Like, I'm a genius. Doesn't make any sense. This stuff, manage your risk and return will be there. If you start looking at risk from your personal point of view and looking at how does this affect my investments? How does this affect my student loan payments? How does this affect how much home I, I should take? Or how much home I can afford, I should say. Those are all risks. If you manage that risk, your return will be there. And that is how you should invest. Don't invest towards returns. Invest towards managing your risk. And then if you're contemplating an investment, you say, what's the risk in this? And really identify that risk. And then say, is it worth the potential return that I might get? That's how you should do it. That's how you flip the status quo from looking just at investment returns and that's it to understanding risk and looking at that first and then returns. Now, a lot of people are like you got you make this sound so easy. How do I actually do this, especially when it comes to the stock market? How, how do I know how much risk I have to take? How do I factor in my income, my assets, my debt, all these different things? That's the algorithms that we created at Fitbox. That's why it's so different. I looked at all these different things and said, there's no way to help people quantify this. So like one of the things that the Fitbox score does, you, it's very simple. You have a lower Fitbox score between, it's zero to a thousand by the way, your Fitbox score is like 200. That means you have a lower ability to take risk based on everything. Because we look at your human capital. We ask things like, do you run marathons and all that stuff? Because it goes into like behavioral discipline and all this type of stuff. We factor all that in. We factor in your education, your salary type, all of it. So when you look at your Fitbox score, if it's low, lower ability to take risk. If it's high, higher ability to take risk. Now, for a lot of you watching this, you might be saying, well, like, that's great. I understand this. I just don't want to spend my whole life doing this. That's fine. We got you covered on that too. All you have to do is go to fitbus.com, build your profile, get your Fitbus score on your dashboard. Once you become a free member, there's an option that says open up an investment account. So if you want to open up like a Roth IRA or roll over your 401k or open up a taxable account, we will manage that for you according to your Fitbus score and automatically adjust how much risk you have in your investment with us based on your ability to take risk. And then... All you have to do is just make sure your profile is updated with your current finances, your current income, that type of stuff. Simple. You don't even have to think about it anymore. So those of you that want help doing it, go to fitbucks.com, click join now, build your build your profile on the dashboard. It'll say open up an investment account. We will help you do all this for you, make your life extremely easy. So you can go on to what actually matters, things like your job and helping people and children and family and all that stuff. You can go focus on that. We'll deal with this other bullshit that's called money. All right. So with that being said, thanks for watching on YouTube. Thanks for listening on the podcast. It's fun as always. See you guys soon.